Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to episode 492 of Get Paid for Your Pet. Today, my guest on the show is Lisa Stoffemeyer. She's the founder of Yellow Brick Road Homes, and that is a reference to Wizard of Oz, of course. I think I've watched that movie, like, or yeah, movie. It's a movie, right? Yeah, it's years a movie ago, now. something. Yeah, long yeah. time ago. Yeah. It's been a long yeah. time since I watched that. Yeah, yeah, nostalgia. Yep. The journey never ends, though. So that's that's <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the topic for today is how do we maximize ROI for our homeowners? So Lisa runs a management company, a short-term rental management company out of Lake Arrowhead in California. She's got between 15 and 18 units, depending on how you count. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what she's really good at is, is really maximizing ROI for, our, for her homeowners, which, which is going to be really important going into the future as more more short-term rental management companies are becoming more professional. So the competition for homeowners is increasing just as the competition for us as hosts is increasing as well. So Lisa, I'm excited to dive into it. You've also one of our Legends X students. You went for the program. When, when did you go for the program? Oh, gosh. I graduated, I guess it was the end of last year. End yeah, of last year, right? So that was the yeah. yeah, that was the second class, right? Yeah, you're in the rising star community now, and uh, you shared some pretty amazing, inspirational things like, <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, where you were talking about like purchasing a a company that has like a hundred units. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're supposed to have a meeting next week on that. Um, All right, cool. We'll see. So uh, we'll have to check back with you, uh, and that would be a pretty big move. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like the tail wagging the dog, I think, but the opportunity's there. So let's have hey, that. You got right? to think big sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to chat with you today. Let's start with your kind of your story. Like, how, how did you get involved in Airbnb short rentals? So, well, actually, I had a Colorado property that I was renting long term back in, gosh, this was probably back when Airbnb just became itself and or became known. And I just decided to try it out on that property. And 
and I loved it because my my whole thing is I'm an investor, but I also like to use my properties. Like my properties or our properties, our company's properties now are in the mountains. And I'm just, I just absolutely love being in the mountains. I escape from Orange County. I get to go breathe for a while and 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 just enjoy the energy of the mountains. So the Airbnb allowed me to enjoy my property, not only have an investment property. And that to me was, you know, revolutionary, right? Like that was like, yeah. oh my God, this is phenomenal. So that's, that's how that came about. And then in California, just had another rental property, sold it and then sold it in Orange County. And then the only property I could afford that came up was in Lake Arrowhead. It was a property in 2016, late 2016. It went on the market for $55,000. And I saw it and I immediately grabbed Michael, my partner at the time. And we, I said, we need to go because this is the only thing I can afford <laughs> and we need to go buy it right now. And so we drove up the mountain and met with it, met with the real estate agent. It was a 350 square foot property on like 14,000 square foot lot. And, and Michael was in construction. So it was built in 1926 owned by Bugsy Siegel, you know, back in the day and was falling, falling down, literally like the window was the only thing holding it up in the back. Seriously. So I said, you need to walk around the house really fast and see if we could buy this. Cause I could see the other people walking up the street. You know, I knew there was just going to be so many investors. So he walked around and he was just like, you could tell just like really nervous. And I, and he's just like, how many I'm like, look, we got to like make a decision like right now. And he's like, righty then. Okay. So we bought it and that was the first vacation rental that happened here in, in Arrowhead. And then, and then from there, we just kind of kept seeing them and buying them, re- renovating them and, you know, yeah. yeah. So that's how it started. So, so, so you bought it for $55,000 in 2016? Yep. Yep. So now it's worth about $5 million. <laughs> I wish. No. <laughs> well, now it's actually a duplex because we had to tear down the addition that was on the back because it was dangerous. So then we added a, a whole nother house on the back. So now it's two houses. And I think the last appraisal was, came in somewhere around 400000 But yeah, yeah, it's Ooh. it's been a, been a journey with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Still making sure. a decent profit there. Well, what yeah. year did you start with Airbnb? I would say back in probably 2010, maybe when the market crashed, actually, <laughs> with the Colorado property. Yeah, because rents, you know, people were just really nervous about everything, you know, and it seemed like Airbnb was just taking off. So, yeah. so yeah. So it's interesting. You and I actually got involved in Airbnb around the same time for the exact same oh. reason. Oh, wow. Because wow. that, that's what I did too. Like I, I was renting out my my apartment in Amsterdam and I just quit my finance job and I, I wanted to travel, uh, uh-huh. but I, I didn't want to rent it out long-term because I was like, just like you said, like, it's like, yeah. oh, if I'm back in Amsterdam, I want to stay at my own place. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. So how do I do that? And that's that's how I got involved in Airbnb. That's cool. Like we both had a similar start. Yeah. So yeah, walk us through like, how did you go from owning those those couple properties and, and putting them on Airbnb to actually managing units for other people? So I'm also a real estate agent here. And people started to to learn that I had vacation rentals. And you know, I'm excited about it. So I just naturally get excited about it talking to people. And I think 
you know, in the back of their minds, it's just something that maybe they, other people, a lot of other people really would like to do, but just don't know how. So I sold a couple homes that people definitely wanted to Airbnb. And, and so I helped them buy the home and then, you know, transition it into the short-term rental space. So some of it was that, some of it was just neighbors, just very organically. I didn't have any plan really to, to actually do this, but people just started to ask about it. And, you know, I felt like I could handle it after hiring a couple of VAs and building out the team. I ended up, I have six properties. That was just too much for me to handle on my own. So I had to build out a team anyway. And I felt like, well, you know, if we're doing this, we might as well, I can't just keep buying houses forever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I might as well expand in a, you know, in a different way. And as long as I felt like I, as long as I felt like the owner and I were sort of in some synergy, you know, it was okay. We would, you know, we would offer to do it. And that's how we were at now. Yeah. With, yeah. with owners. Yeah. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are in this spot where they own like let's say two, three, four units, yeah. and they're also getting requests, you know, from their personal network of like, hey, I've got a home too. Can you can you manage that for me? A lot of people are hesitant, you know, to make that switch from from the owner ownership model to management because now you have to deal with the owners, right? Now you have the owners yeah. looking over your shoulder and asking questions, and you know that's not something that everybody enjoys. How was that transition for you? It was pretty natural for me because I did have some synergy with the initial owners that I took on. Since then, I have had some that were more challenging than others. And it's been a roller coaster because you don't know what you're going to get, really. I mean, you can talk to somebody and go through the process and, you know, and stuff, but you really don't know that person until you start working with them. Uh, You know, I have one particular owner that is, is pretty challenging in terms of just really want to be hands-on. Mm-hmm. And that threw me because all my other owners were, you know, either they're out of town, you know, and they just weren't even like, we just did our thing, you know, and it, it was great. But then all of a sudden I, I had a, a challenge with this, this new one that, you know, just wanted to really have everything hands-on dictating what the rates would be. And, and just without, without a lot of knowledge of the industry, just wanting to, you know, almost do, do our job, you know? So that, that, Mm. that's been a huge, huge challenge, learning experience, like how to deal with that. But yeah, I finally had to let the calendar, I had to actually push out the rates that this person was wanting me to push out, even though I knew it wasn't right. And just let the house sit empty for a month. I mean, I, so it was higher. It was way high, like double. Yeah. Way high. And so I thought, well, that that should fix the problem, but it actually really didn't fix the problem. So then there were some more underlying things that we had to fix. So it's just an ongoing, ongoing thing, but you have to really get your, you have to really get your mojo on and really stand up for what, what you believe is right. And I've learned that out of this. It's like, I would never do that again for a month because I was so thrown off by what should I do? I just waited. And, and I shouldn't have, you know, I should have just said, no, this is explain the strategies, explained, explained, explained more, you know, and just put, put it down and just say, look, this is, I have to be successful for you. I can't not do my job. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't solve anything. So, so I think you just have to get your story straight about what you're doing, why you're doing it, why it works and just stick to that and be really confident, you know, mm-hmm. because people will respect that more 
than yeah. them just waiting. Yeah. 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 I feel like in the, a lot of times it's like setting the expectations from the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, once you, once you accept something, then it's hard to go back on it. Yeah. But if you set the stage from the get go, then it's, yeah. you know, people t- typically tend to respect yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. What are some other complications or what are, what are some other, not complications, but what are some things that people should take into account, you know, thinking about, you know, transitioning from ownership to managing properties for other people other than dealing with the owners? Wow. I think it's just one of the tough things is really having the mindset to pay attention to the other owners, right? Because if you've had your own properties for so long, you kind of have that dialed in like clockwork, right? You you just kind of know what to do. You you gravitate there because it's comfortable. You know, you're probably dealing with maintenance issues on your properties, right? You're 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 somewhat still involved if you're not completely discontinuing that. So I think it's it's learning how to split your time and really be committed and focused on these owners in a very structured way, right? You've got to send out owner reports on time. Like I never I, I I still don't have ever gotten an owner report myself, right? Like it's hopefully it's in my future, but but you know you have to do things in a certain structured way for them to feel comfortable that you are that you have some structure. And in the beginning, you don't have any structure because you're just doing it for yourself. So I think creating the structure to where people feel comfortable that this is something you're experienced doing, even though you are the whole business side of it, right? You may not have developed yet. So you, you've got to do that quickly, I think, and, mm-hmm. and really, really focus on it so that you don't appear to be scattered or, you know, or not sure, or, you know, things are coming out at different times or, you know, and what are you measuring? What are you measuring your success on? That was huge for us, right? Because if they, if you don't know, then they don't know either, mm-hmm. right? They're just looking at the calendar and the bookings, but I mean, there's so much more to it, right? There's reviews, there's, you know, are you able to use your home when you want to use your home? We've had to create that, that success criteria and then measure ourselves to it and mm-hmm. then communicate that to them so that they appreciate that and they're not right. making up their own criteria, right? Yeah. Because if they do, then you don't know what you're being measured on. And at the end of the yeah. day, you could lose it. Right. If you're, if you're not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There could be a situation where you're looking at your criteria and you're thinking, wow, I'm really knocking out of the park for this owner versus the owner is thinking like, Hey, what's, what's happening? Like, this is, this is not good enough. Right. So what, what are those? Yeah. What are your criteria? Like, what are those criteria? So one of them is enjoyment of your home. Because the people that we are servicing, at least now, are also using the home as a second home. So, so that I feel is, is important, even if they say it may not be. They, if they're going to the property, it's important, <laughs> which mm-hmm. they are doing, right? So, you know, that means like when they get there, is it clean? You know, do they feel like a guest? Do they feel like it's up to where it should be when, when they arrive? Are they able to book it themselves on a calendar? Can they go at the last minute? Do they have any restrictions in terms of that? Like, are they free to pretty much use it transparently and you're, you're not 
having to have a big drama about it almost, you know, like, can they do, can they enjoy their home? The second one would be guest reviews because we are in the business. So our guests, you know, our guests really enjoying your home. And that's a two piece thing because part of that has to do with us and how we manage it, but it also has to do with them and how they keep up the home. Are they doing things that we're asking them to do to be able to get higher ratings? So we want to have a focus on that. And then the third one is ROI, the financial side. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if they're not making the money they want to make, it's really going to be a problem. So those three things we care about. So you allow your your owners to stay at their properties whenever they want? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, and they, that's don't, they don't yeah, they don't abuse it. We were worried about that, but yeah, we really haven't had an issue because they want to make the money. I mean yeah. It's their second home. So at the end of the day, you know, they want to make money off it. So, yeah. 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 I guess it depends on the mindset of the of the owner, right? Some owners are like yeah. very investment ROI focused yeah. versus others are like, they're more thinking of like, hey, I just, you know, me staying there is the, is the highest priority. And like any money I make, that's an extra bonus. Obviously, for for a manager like yourself, it's better to work with the first owner type. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about ROI as one of your criteria. What do you do to really maximize that ROI for your owners? So a couple things. We really, so we, first of all, we analyze the competition, right? Because you got to know, you got to know what's happening out there in the market. And then you got to try to be, in my opinion, you got to be significantly better than that. That's our goal, right? Is mm-hmm. because they can hire anybody, you know, to, to do average, but we want to be better than that. So I think knowing what's going on out there, knowing some of the issues in the community, just being really knowledgeable about what's going on and sharing that with owners. So I try to be sort of the, a voice of, for example, if the just recently the regulations changed for San Bernardino County, they changed significantly. So I learned about that immediately. I'm, I'm posting in Slack. Our owners are in Slack. We have our, our own Slack channels for them. So I'm posting in there about what those updates are, what they mean to them, just being a little different than I think what a typical management company might do. And then there's the side about improvements, right? So always be improving, you know, like try to, I try to really drill that in. And and that's a little tough one because you got to be careful of, oh, she always wants me to spend money kind of thing. You know, that's the thing. Got to be conscious of the money that somebody's spending. Like, you know, for example, we just had one owner, their AC went out. So I wouldn't be talking to them right now about, you know, <laughs> about improvements, but, but on a regular basis, I'm reviewing the reviews that are under five stars. So we have a actual report we developed that comes out for me quarterly. And actually I have somebody else handling this now, but originally this is how we developed it was a report that comes at under five stars. And so we're only reviewing those reviews and then making a short list of what those things are. And that's our action list for the next month. So we do that monthly. We meet with the owners monthly. We go over that list and and just have a discussion. You know, like it's almost a brainstorming thing, right? Like mm-hmm. how do we, if we had two comments about the house is hot, right? Like 
okay, well, what are we gonna what, what are we gonna do? Like we adding AC, we adding ceiling fans, or we, you know, what are we gonna do? Or the backyard, you know, there's something wrong with the backyard. Well, are we gonna like it's almost helping them figure out where it's best to spend the money that they do have, right? And then going from there. So it's a kind of a, a natural conversation, but a focus on that because mm-hmm. they want to improve too. They don't want to be not improving. I'm curious, like when you sit down with these owners and you say like, Hey, listen, like we had some guests complain about the heat. We we need an air conditioner, right? Yeah. How do you communicate to the owner? Like how much that the, the ROI that they can get from that. Do you actually, do you actually show them like, Hey, okay, look, this, this air conditioner costs 1500 bucks. But we're going to be able to increase our rates by X percent. So you're going to make your money back in one or two years. Is, is that kind of how you communicate it or what, what's your process? Well, like? it hasn't had to even go there because it helps when you have reviews that are giving you, you know, a two or three star review because you don't have AC, right? So that one is tends to be more simple. It's like nobody wants to get, they know the impact of reviews, right? They know it means you know, less bookings. It's not even about rate. It's just about getting the house booked. So I think if you have reviews behind you that are are stating certain things, it, it's an easier argument than if you're coming at it from just, hey, I was at your house and I noticed that, you know, this, I've had owners though that have wanted to have those conversations. They're the ones initiating it. You know, they're mm-hmm. going, hey, what should we do? You know, we budgeted this much for this year. What should we do in your opinion to get the most out of it? You know, and that's yeah. the best because they're asking yeah. you, right? Yeah, that's the best place to be. And that's that's why you can add a lot of value as a as a manager, right? Because like like we were talking about this before we started recording, where it's like, you know, in the certain rental space, it's not so clear what the ROI is on different types of investments, right? And like right. you're selling homes or you're doing long-term rentals, it's a bit more standardized almost. Yeah. What what an amenity is gonna do to the rent, you know, monthly rental price. Yeah. Short term rentals, like it's a bit more complicated. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I just met with a potential new owner who had it, they have this panoramic, incredible view of the valley. Like they're sitting on the edge of a cliff with this incredible, incredible view. And I was just blown away. But the thing was, is all the money was spent on the inside of the house. So the outside, they literally had like maybe one chair like on the on the deck that was overlooking this incredible, you know, view mm-hmm. and like an old broken down picnic bench on the other deck, you know, and and the grill was like tucked back on the side of the house. And I was I I was just like, no, 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 you gotta, you know, this is what we have to do. <laughs> like you we have to have like comfy really cool like outdoor furniture we got to have like you know maybe a couple rocking chairs by the bedroom deck you know we got to get a table from the front and move that grill like we had a whole discussion about it and then i got a text like two days later saying hey lisa we have a certain amount of money we just want to make sure you know you think that this is money well spent on this stuff and i just absolutely i was like the outside pieces are just like so important you know i mean ultimately it's their decision right but but yeah, I just yeah, for sure. So your your experience, you don't you don't really have to dive too deep into the numbers Mm-mm. to kind of show them. It's more of like, hey, this mm-hmm. is this is gonna be a good investment. 
you know, it's kind of more advising, advising them on where to put their money. Yeah. I haven't had anybody really push me for numbers yet. I'll probably get that owner. Hopefully they don't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. How about a hot tub on that? I was really leery about hot tubs, but I went out and got one for the 10 acre property up in Crestline because it's a way like there's absolutely no neighbors, like no possible disruption. And it's been, it's been good. I mean, other than expensive to heat, but it's been a success from a amenity standpoint, as far as guests yeah. go, just because where the location is. And I just would, I just fear, you know, bothering neighbors with like, there's been a lot of talk here about that, you know, people get in the hot tub and there's eight people in there and kind of a party. So I'm just yeah. careful. I think in the right space, it's good. Yeah. 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 And no, I'm just, I'm just thinking, cause I stayed a couple months ago, I stayed at this property just at like an hour and a half outside of Panama city. And I paid like 300 bucks a night for yeah. this, this apartment. And the reason that we paid that much is because it had a hot up with like a view. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the other homes in that area, you could, you could get them for a hundred bucks a night. Yeah. But yeah. they didn't have the hot tub of the view. And yeah. so I was just like looking at, I was just looking on Airbnb and I'm just like, damn, like I, we're only going there for two nights. It's a yeah. special occasion. It's yeah. like, I want that view. Like I, yeah. I just want to sit in the hot tub, you know, open up a couple bottles of wine and and, and just yeah. enjoy that view. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't care if I have to pay $200 a night extra for that. And yeah. that just kind of made me think, I was like, wow, it's really, um, those type of investments can go a long way if mm -hmm. it's if it's the right spot and you know also yeah. depending on the market if everybody has a hot tub then you know that yeah. trick is not working right, uh, right. but in this particular area this is the only literally the only home with a hot tub wow wow yeah no so i guess that's also i guess that's also something to to think of is you know, not just looking at the home in itself, but also looking at the other homes and, and looking at what amenities do those homes have, right? Yeah. My place in, in, in Colombia, for example, I remember as I stayed in, this is in Cali, right? And when I came down there like five five or six years ago, I couldn't find a place with like decent AC and, and like strong Wi-Fi. It's just, it was very, very difficult to find a place like that. So I was like, if I buy something here, and I just make sure I have fast Wi-Fi and air conditioning, then, you know, no one's competing with me. Yeah. So, yeah. What are some other learning lessons? I mean, you're at 15 to 18 units. What are, what are some other learning lessons of going from, you know, just a couple units that you had as a as an owner to now having that larger portfolio? Gosh, I guess the importance of having VAs. It's just, I feel like they're, without them, you know, it, it just wouldn't be feasible, you know, so really getting that dialed in, I think is super important in the transition. I, I think just seeing yourself in a different role, maybe because you're going from homeowner, you know, homeowner on steroids to, you know, <laughs> someone leading a company, because all of a sudden you have to have, we have to have an inventory person on staff, right? We have to have an accounting staff. We have to have guest relations staff. We have to have a guest prep. Like we have you know, five of those. So all of a sudden you're, you know, you're running a company, you're not just homeowner on steroids anymore. So I think that that that's really tough because you have to learn how to delegate, 
and you have to get the right people. And that's a trial and error thing. At least it was for us. I tend to hire very organically, you know, people that I know Mm -hmm. first, and then sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really get your philosophy in my head about hire slow, fire fast, but somehow I've always (laughs) been the opposite. So, so yeah, that was tough for me, you know, to, it still is tough for me, you know, to, to really go through a process to hire and really understand who you're hiring. Cause these roles are not defined, right? You're, yeah, you're trying to define as you go and draw an org chart that, you know, you tear up the next day because (laughs) it didn't work and you're hiring somebody else. And, you know, it's just, I think, I think that's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we, I've been there. We've been there in in our business where it's like, you just know that you need some help and you just literally yeah. look around and you see yes. someone and like, Hey, you, <laughs> can you help? <laughs> you know, yeah. typically is not, doesn't turn out to be the best person for the role, but yeah. Well, let, well, let me ask you this. Like, what did you join the Legends X program? Yeah. Because I, because I knew I was, I was really wanting to connect with people in the community. I think when Eric started, he was, doing the Airbnb Profit Club. I might've had a different name at the time, but I think I was one of the first 500 people that joined his Facebook group. And then that naturally evolved into the Legends X program. And at that time, I was was prime, right? I was like exhausted. I was just, you know, hectic host, you know, Mm -hmm. to the max. Like, so I needed to do something, you know? I, yeah, it was, it was not sustainable. So... That came along at the right time for me. Yeah. How, how many units were you managing when you were in the Tactico spot? I was probably up to five, five of my five. own. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've, you've grown a lot since then. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. What, what was like the most important step for you during the program of, of getting out of the Tactico spot? Well, I think getting the right team, right? So really focusing on that because. Yeah, that without it, I mean, you're just, you're just constantly going to be in it. And and also now I'm at the point where my challenge is really getting my, I've gotten like nine toes out <laughs> and the last toe, it's just really tough to extract mm-hmm. yourself with because, you know, people just think of you as part of the operation and you have all the answers all the time. And I just this last week I had to like send a Slack message back. It was kind of short and, you know, I hope it wasn't rude, but my comment was, what would you do in this situation? Cause they were asking me, what do I do? And I said, well, what do you think we need to do here? I'm saying, I'm not trying to be difficult, but I need you guys to be able to do this yourself, you know, cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm literally pulling myself out of Slack pretty soon. And it was okay. Like, she's like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm like, go for it. You know, like, yeah. but that's, that transition is hard because you're used yeah. to just finding out the answers all day, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how do you make that transition of, of just not answering, you know, like it's hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith, but also, but also I think that's a good process of, of going through a phase where you just like, before you give an answer, like asking your team members, like, what, what would you do? Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That's a, that's a good training process. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it has to flip at some point, right. Where you're, 
they're comfortable and you're comfortable. And I don't know, there's no like book written on that, but <laughs> you know, how do you yeah. do that? But yeah, I, how many, what, what's your team look like right now? Like how many people are in your team? We have two and a half guest relations. So two VAs and then one sort of admin, she works half time guest relations. And then one inventory person, just part-time, but she also does our housekeeping scheduling. And then we've got five housekeepers, one accounts payable person that's part-time. We just hired another one to pull in all the stuff that we're doing sort of with different people. We have like four accounting people all doing different things. So now we're focusing on that and just having one bookkeeper. And then we're going to go to Zimplify our accounting side. And then I'll have, I hired another guy to do owner relations. So he, he's going to get involved in like the owner reports and how they get created and dealing with the owners and stuff. So, yeah. so I think that's about it. So. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Really exciting to hear that you've been able to go from about five units to now 15 to 18. What's your goal? What's your end goal? I mean, this is something that we talk about LensX is like, where do you actually want to take your company? Like, Yeah. So I, I want my company to be self-sufficient, meaning that I want to be able to go travel around and stay at Airbnbs and, and really understand about what those folks are going through and, and help, help other people. Like I want mm -hmm. to be more in a consulting role. And I don't know whether that means, you know, my company still exists and it's, you know, just operating or whether it means we sell in a couple of years, you know, and, and I can go off and do something else. A lot of our team members right now are like retirement age, pre-retirement, retirement age, other than our VAs. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of years. But I think for two years, we'll be growing and trying to be our best we can be in the next two years and then make a decision after that. But well, that's... Either either get yourself out of it, turn it into cash cow or sell the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Well, I'm supposed to be the person okay. asking the question. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, one question and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> well, I yeah, so I, I'm curious about your... You're free wild. And I'll tell you why, because part of making the owners the happiest and making our business the best we can be is making the properties the best they can be, in my opinion, like really focusing on what's the highest and best use of this property and how can it be unique and how can it, you know, be the $300 property versus the $100 property. So how I want, I was just curious how your, I, how your concept developed for free wild, like what was your inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, like most of the vision for this comes from comes from Eric, right? My business partner. But what 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 I think is really cool about the concept of Freewild is that we're looking to create something that really doesn't exist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With Freewild. It's not just that we're I mean, what we're trying to do is we're trying to acquire like properties in nature where people can go to disconnect right because yeah. nowadays everyone's everyone's like going crazy with their with their mobile devices and people want a place where they can just disconnect from their from their mobile devices and connect with nature but at the same time we're also recognizing that you still need to be 
online sometimes if you have to like i and you know to get the best guest avatar is is, is always yourself in my opinion right so mm-hmm. if i look at myself and this this applies to eric as well is like we both love going to nature. I love scuba diving, kite surfing. Like I love anything that has to do with nature. We're going to go skiing this year. I love being in the mountains and, you know, on the beaches and everything. But at the same time, we're running two businesses. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I got to be online sometimes. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's kind of like, that's kind of like the idea of like, okay, let's, Let's create an experience where people can disconnect and and we stimulate that, right? We put board yeah. games and campfires and just like yeah. bring back the 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 real like the the connection, connection with your friends and your family, or maybe even with other people that are staying on the property. Yeah. Right. We because we want to build a community, right? Where you know what Burning Man, when people go to Burning Man, they're burners. Yeah. Yeah. Like we want people to say they go to a free wild and they're like and they meet somebody at a bar and like and they're like oh yeah i went to this free wild property and like oh you're a free wilder you know yeah. what i mean like that sense that sense of community i mean that that to me is yeah. exciting yeah right? and yeah. and you know going back to like the disconnecting but at the same time having access to yeah. fast internet if you need it so that's kind yeah. of the idea of like we're, we're we're stimulating people to go back to just old school spending quality time with each other but at the same time like if you do have to work for like an hour or two we'll have like a desk with with fast internet and you know everything you need to get the work done yeah Yeah. so that's why the idea of free wild where it's like you can either be free or you're wild right like you can be free to work or or you can be wild and sit to the campfire and and just tell stories and and you know leave your phone untouched for like a few hours yeah yeah oh that's awesome that to me is exciting because I feel like that's something that that's a powerful experience that I think if people experience that, they're going to really like relate to it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Just just as people relate to like Burning Man and just how like, bur- you know, everybody who goes to Burning Man like immediately has a connection, right? Yeah. As soon as you yeah. know, like, oh, you've been to Burning Man as well. Like that means like we're kind of, we're similar. To create a brand that's that specific and that strong that it helps people connect. Yeah. You know, that's something that I am willing to get up at six in the morning and, and you know, put in a 14 hour work day for, Absolutely. for a number yep. of years. If, if, if yeah. we can, if we can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yes. I agree. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, it, it does. I mean, it like the back of the Bugsy house, you know, is now has one of those foldable doors that the whole back wall, it just folds open. And, you know, the huge deck with trees. And so you feel like you're in the forest, you know, even though you're not. So, I mean, I agree, like that kind of stuff gets you super excited because there's nothing else like it. And when Mm -hmm. people say that in a review, like, it's just, you know, I don't know, it feels great. You accomplish something for somebody that they couldn't find really anywhere else. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Lisa, before we, uh, before we let, let you go let listeners know where they can find you as you know mm-hmm. somebody you're in lake arrowhead right in, yeah. in california yeah. so if people want to stay at one of your properties or if somebody's listening to the podcast and uh potentially wants to uh partner with you on, uh, on a okay. property yeah yeah so our facebook page is yellow brick road homes plus and you can always reach me at email or you might give my phone number or email phone number 562 900 8132. And 
email Lisa Marie at ybrhomesplus.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Been a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate you know being part of our Legends X and now Rising Star program. Hope, hope you're yes. gonna make it to the Legend States and we can welcome you at one of our masterminds in the future. Oh, that'd be great. And, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if you start your own podcast, then uh, you know, hopefully you will invite me to be a guest. Absolutely. Thank you All so right, Lisa, much. Thank you so much. And to listeners, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And we did open up applications for class four of Legends X. So if you feel like you are a hectic host and you're overwhelmed in your business and you want to just like Lisa make it to the rising star and hopefully Legend States, go ahead and check out our website at strlegends.com slash X will uh, class starts August 22nd. So uh, we got about three or four weeks or so. With that said, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business. Every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course. Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pet.